0: This is Courage Cast. Faith, inspiration, and motivation for today. I'm Eric Nordoff, and welcome back to another episode of Courage Cast. And welcome to the courageous community, ordinary people. Doing extraordinary things. You can join us at courageouscommunity.com. You can click on the community link and then join the conversation on Facebook. That's where we interact with one another, and I get to check in with what things you are dealing with, your reactions to the podcast, and also what courageous things you're doing. I'd love to hear other people's stories. And eventually, maybe uh, we can start a whole new podcast and and hear courageous stories from everyone, because uh, you guys are amazing and definitely uh, excited to continue participating in that realm and in that conversation. All right, so if you listen to the last episode, then you know that I'm going through the book Radical. It's been powerful. I've been sort of afraid to read it because <laughs> I kind of like the American dream, and I didn't want to take my faith back from from that. But um, but what I'm realizing is uh, that God's dream is so much bigger than any dream that I can uh, dream up or accomplish on my own. So, uh, the part in the book that I'm reading right now is chapter four, actually chapter three, I think, um, where uh, David Platt is comparing the current church today, which really is reliant in, in America, is really reliant so much on systems and processes and Uh, God, in reality, sometimes can be an add-on to everything else that we're doing. Uh, We get so busy doing everything because uh, we believe we have the freedom to do it and we have the power to do it, and so we become very self-reliant in American church today, and thereby, you know, we we experience the same kind of fruit that comes from man. Uh, and, uh, and sometimes it's, it's really less than, and all, actually always, it's less than what can be accomplished on our own, uh, less than what can be accomplished with God. So uh, he then paints a different picture, and I want you to read this and think about your own personal life, think about your business, think about that which you are dreaming and wishing to accomplish, and uh, see if this stirs anything in you. It definitely stirred something in me. So David goes on after comparing the American church and kind of painting a picture of the American church today. He says, but when I open the book of Acts in the New Testament and observe the picture of the church there, I see such different images. I see a small band of timid disciples huddled together in an upper room. They know they need God's power. They are Galileans, disrespected by the higher classes in Jerusalem as lower-class, rural, uneducated commoners. This is the group that's the spread of Christianity depends on. So what are they doing? They are not plotting strategies. They are joined together constantly in prayer. They are not busy putting their faith in themselves or relying on themselves. They are pleading for the power of God and they are confident that they are not going to accomplish anything without his provision. Then God sends his spirit in power, and everything changes. These uneducated Galileans start speaking the gospel in a multiplicity of languages that everyone can understand. The crowds are shocked, and Peter stands up to preach Christ. Peter, who just weeks before was afraid to admit he even knew Jesus, now stands under the power of God in front of thousands of people proclaiming, Jesus. More than 3,000 people are saved. Talk about church growth. Acts 1 started out with about 120 believers, and now in Acts 2, there are more than 3,000. If you do the math, that's almost 2,500 percent growth in a day. The story continues. People are coming to Christ every hour. In Acts 3, Peter and John speak the name of Jesus, and a 40-year-old man crippled from birth stands up to walk for the first time. In Acts 4, they pray until the building where they are gathered begins to shake. In a telling commentary, Luke says, When the crowds saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. It only gets better from there. In Acts 5, the apostles are performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. The sick are being healed of their diseases, and evil spirits are being cast out. In Acts 6 and 7, the danger the disciples are experiencing is increasing, and so is God's power among them. By chapter 8, the the church is scattering to Judea and Samaria, preaching the gospel everywhere they go. Philip gets zapped by the Holy Spirit from one place to another to lead an Ethiopian to Christ. Wait a minute. Let me just pause for a second. Philip gets transported by the Holy Spirit from one place to another to lead an Ethiopian to Christ. Wow. Talk about an adventure. In Acts 9, Saul, the persecutor of Christians, becomes a follower of Christ. In Acts 10, racial and ethnic barriers to the spread of the gospel begin to collapse. And in Acts 11, the church at Antioch is founded as the future base of mission to the nations. In Acts 12, As Peter sits on death row in a jail cell, the church prays, and suddenly Peter's chains fall off. He practically sleepwalks out of prison. Acts 13 launches Paul into his travels from city to city, preaching the gospel, healing people of diseases, casting out demons, and even raising people from the dead. David Platt goes on to say, what I love about the picture that unfolds in Acts is the intentional way Luke, the author of Acts, makes much of God in the way he tells the story. Listen to the language in Acts 2 when Luke records the results of Peter's sermon at Pentecost. He writes, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Did you hear the passive language? They were added. It begs the question, who added them? Go down to verse 47 in the same chapter, and Luke's make, Luke makes sure we get the right answer. There he writes, The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The trend continues. Acts 5.14 says, More and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. When Barnabas shares the gospel in Antioch, the result is that a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Later, in Pisidian Antioch, a host of Gentiles who were appointed for eternal life believed. This is the design of God among his people. He is giving unlikely people his power, so it is clear who deserves the glory for the success that takes place. The story of the church continues throughout the rest of the New Testament, and as I read it, I cannot help but long to be a part of this kind of scene in the church today. A scene where we refuse to operate in a mindset dominated by an American dream that depends on what we can achieve with our own abilities. A scene where we no longer settle for what we can do in our own power. A scene where the church radically trusts in God's great power to provide unlikely people with unlimited, unforeseen, uninhibited resources to make his name known as great. I want to be part of that dream. David finishes. I want to be part of that dream. Do you want to be part of that dream? That's the question I have for you, is do you want to live a life like that? And I got to ask you, does it scare you to step out and live a life like that? It for sure scares me. It without a doubt scares me to death. But you know what? Do you remember how it said that Peter and John were seen as having much courage because they were, they were seen as that, because they were relying on the strength that came from God. And ultimately, let's not kid ourselves, guys. We rely on the strength that comes from God. The greatest strength we can ever have comes from our Lord. And that's where our courage comes from. That's where our faith comes from. It stems from our spending time praying dependently expectantly upon the Lord. I'm an ordinary man. I'm an ordinary guy. I'm not, an, I'm not anybody special, to be honest with you. I don't have a bunch of credited things. I don't have a, any degrees related to speaking this message. But what I can tell you and what I can relate to is that I am utterly dependent upon my Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit that he gives to each one of us. And I'm doing this podcast because I need Him. I need Him in my life more. I need Him radically. I need Him to eradicate the aspects of my life where I am just trusting in myself. Because in this world that I've kind of set, up, set myself up for, I really am just trusting in Him. But in reality, I'm afraid. I'm deeply afraid. And if I don't admit that, then it's not going to be—I won't be able to— Recognize that I'm dependent upon God on a daily basis for my strength and for the courage that I need in order to speak out, say the things I need to say, have the conversations I need to have, dream and fulfill the dreams that, I, that I've been given, be a good steward of the things I, I know I'm called to do. I'm not able to take action on the things I know I need to do in order to experience the success that I long to have and that I can't even honestly fathom. But when I begin to step into what God has for me, and I begin to let him lead, and I let him take over, and I surrender my will to his will, as Jesus prays in Matthew 6, then I begin to experience. Then I'm setting myself up to be in a position to experience the full power of God and the full results that come from trusting in him and experiencing him. And so, This is my cry for you, and this is my call to you, and this is my plea, uh, is that we all together lay down our self-sufficiency, and we begin to trust and rely on God today for what it is that we long to see and long to do. That's it for today. I pray this has given you courage today and given you something to think about and to pray about and to get before God with. Have a great day. I'll be with you again on the next episode of CourageCast.